True or false, the most important element when it comes to streaming video is not necessarily video, but audio. What do you think? Well, we're going to talk to an expert when it comes to mixing audio with your streaming video next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. It's another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Steve, how are you today? Doing just peachy. All right. Good deal. Um, uh, getting ready to head to uh, San Diego, your favorite place. One of my favorite my, places. Uh, two of my kids are playing on a national, they made it to nationals with Ultimate Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee. Ultimate yes. Frisbee. Yeah. That's that's the ultimate. Okay. That's, that's interesting. If I was their age, I probably would have done that. I used to love playing Frisbee. But uh, you, yeah, yeah, San Diego. A lot of running. San Diego is a great place. Yeah, I guess you do. I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to throw this out. It's a little unusual, but I wanted to throw this out. Uh, If people could pray for my son, his name is Graydon. He is in the hospital with COVID 19, uh, complications with COVID 19, too. And uh, uh, he was in and then he got out and he went back in. He's got fluid on his lungs. And uh, they did do a procedure yesterday to uh, actually put a tube in him to drain the fluid. And so people could pray for Graydon. I would really appreciate it. Uh, It's very difficult for him and obviously for parents, uh, as we are, because it's out of our control. And that's 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 when anxiety hits is when you can't control something. So I appreciate that. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by MyChurchDaily.com. MyChurchDaily.com gives you the ability to uh, provide flash briefings on Alexa devices, Amazon Echo devices, and you can connect with your people uh, through uh, uploading files using MyChurchDaily.com. Check it out. That's our website, MyChurchDaily.com. And uh, a little spoiler, that's actually us. We actually have... uh, we, we created this. And so check it out. All right, Steve, uh, let's get to our guest today. We've had him on. We, uh, we're just checking the records here. We had, uh, this is episode 310, I think, or 311. But we had James Wassum on back in April of uh, 2017. James, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on again. James, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. It's James Wassum. Okay, good. So James, in case you don't know, James is uh, actually uh, somebody that's been spending over 20 years performing in bands. He's a drummer. Uh, he's he's uh, done mixing live sound for churches and schools and theaters, works with audio systems and installers, designers, and his uh, one of his purposes is to help uh, people use audio and video technologies, written many books, uh, many of them. The last one is The Great Church Sound, the second edition. Did I get that right, James? Yeah, that's right. Second edition came out in late 2019, I believe. Uh, yeah, and and uh, that's available on Amazon. He's also a blogger, and he's the co-founder of, and CEO of uh, 
of uh, I, I want to say G me G G dot me, but it's G G G right? G yeah. I know a G G. And and so I always get that mixed up, but uh, and that's a that's actually a web service to help to create uh, that you made, you created James to help people stream their own live events, mainly musicians, uh, and and so uh, James, it's good you 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 hail from Missoula, Montana. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of the towns in Montana where people outnumber the sheep and cows, but uh, the rest of the state, not so much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's a beautiful area. I've been there years ago and uh, we were talking off video earlier that uh, I guess Steve is heading that direction or in that general direction. Yes. And um, I have a brother in Montana, but seven yeah. hours from you. So I, I would have really not expected that. All right. No. Okay. So, so we, I wanted to have James on today because, uh, uh, you know, with, with, with the pandemic that we're still in, uh, many of, we do streaming video, we're streaming church.tv as among other things. And we, we've had a lot of churches come to us for streaming. And, and one of the most important things when it comes to streaming video is, is really not video. It's actually audio. At least that's my take. And and uh, so we've had a lot of people asking, you know, how to get good audio. And we thought, let's have James on because that's a, he's an expert at that. So, James, I, we're going to ask you a lot of questions here. But one of them is I'll just kick this off and Steve will pipe in here, I'm sure. If I'm a smaller size church and I haven't been doing streaming video that long, uh, what's the simplest way to get decent audio into my streaming, my live streaming video? That's the first question. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of small churches are still running analog consoles. I say still, I don't mean that uh, disparagingly. I love analog consoles. Um, I think there's a lot of utility to them. So uh, more power to you if you're still using analog. Uh, but the challenge with analog is that you don't have a lot of submix availability necessarily. You might have some aux groups and things like that you can use. Uh, but it can be a little bit cumbersome to create a separate live streaming mix from one console. So uh, a lot of small churches and even medium-sized churches will take the main output of the, of the console, um, whether that's the main out from the left-right mix or the main out from an aux group. Uh, but you take that and put it into a camera or a computer, uh, whatever device you're encoding on and streaming with. And um, a lot of people will just call it good at that and then depend on the, you know, encoder to work out all the magic, um, which works to a point. Uh, the problem is the more complicated your mix, um, the, the more complicated it's going to be to get it to sound good if you're just sending that straight mix to the encoder or the, or the camera. So what I always like to do is even if it's analog, you add a compressor to the mix and you compress that main stereo output mix or whatever it is you're sending there. Even if it's a set of ambient microphones in the room, you're, you're compressing that mix enough so that the dynamic range is controlled for the end user, for the listener. Uh, one of the most distracting things, especially on mobile devices, when I'm listening to a live stream 
is that the volume of a worship service can go from really quiet to really loud in a matter of just a few seconds, um, especially between announcements and music playing. That's a big one. Um, so the announcements can be really quiet and then all of a sudden the music comes in and it just blows my ears out. So a compressor helps tame that dynamic range. And you can use a, a relatively inexpensive outboard compressor or if you're going through uh, certain types of software on a computer or something, I know even free software uh, like OBS Live will help with this. You can add a compressor to the input audio channel. And uh, by doing that, you're able to control that input. And there's different ways you can use those plugins. But even with free software, there are ways to add a compressor to that mix. And that's probably the first like, you know, extra fancy stuff that I would do before even trying to create a sub mix on a console. So isn't the, you know, I'm not an AV guy. I I guess I'm a video guy. I do the video switching thing, but I'm not an audio guy um, by any means, but the, but I do hang around a bunch of audio guys. So (laughs) So it reminds me of a joke about drummers, right? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was worried about where you're going with that. I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the joke, but I know it was funny uh, but about the drummer one. Uh, but anyway, so I'm that guy that doesn't know the audio, but I hang around the audio guys and I, I get that. Um, you know, my main mix, I'm going to be, there's going to be a guy and he's going to be mixing on a board for the house and the house is got walls and reverb. And so there's a bunch of bass and stuff that, that you hear in the house. So the guy's probably dialing that down a little bit for the house. And then they're taking that sound and put and passing it over to OBS or whatever I'm streaming with, or I buy equipment, a a mixer an analog mixer in between the two. Um, So if I'm adding a compressor, I'm thinking, Oh, that's going to clip the top and the bottom, right? Or do I not understand how compressors work? Uh, It basically squashes the signal. Think of it like a vice or, or, or it brings the ceiling down and it allows everything to come within a certain range. So this stuff that's fluttering around up here gets squashed down and can only do this. Um, so it really helps tighten things up a lot and it'll make your mix, um, just more, more focused in a lot of ways. And it helps the end user not have to deal with those loud, quiet to loud peaks. It, it squashes everything. Okay. So we have a lot of churches that are using OBS or I assume the same kind of capabilities with VMix or Wirecast, or Mm -hmm. they'll have a, an ability to put, to apply a compressor in, into the mix. So is it, um, I know my way around a little bit within OBS, but, um, I do I what do I look for what where, where do I point me in the general direction so I know what what to turn on and that's what yeah I so it's different software we call it different things I think um, I think in Wirecast it's called Dynamics um, so you go to the Dynamics menu and you pull in a compressor um, or you look for compression either Dynamics or compression compressors work on the dynamic range so that's a good way to remember that um, so you pull up your compressor and there's you might be intimidated by some of the settings depending on how it's displayed on your screen, but there's three 
uh, or four main settings to think about. Uh, one is your ratio. Um, and the ratio is basically how much compression are you going to apply once the volume gets to a certain loudness? Uh, once it gets to a certain volume, I'm going to crush it this much or this much, you know, I mean, how am I going to hit that? So as a rule, like if I'm doing vocal compression, I might do a two to one, three to one, maybe even a four to one compression ratio. Um, but for live streaming, if you're doing it on the main output, um, you can actually get by with doing even a 10 to one compression ratio on that main output. Now that's a pretty high ratio. I know people that if you only use one compressor, some of them basically turn it into a limiter. So you're doing 20 to one or infinity to one would be a true limiter, but you crank that ratio up and then you just hit the threshold. That's the second setting you want to pay attention to your threshold dials in where on that signal level you start to compress. So if your signal level is really loud, I dial in the compression, the compression threshold to hit it just below that loudest part or as, as much as I want below that to crush that signal. So the compressor doesn't kick in until that threshold mm -hmm. is set appropriately. So, and that I can't give you a setting for that. That's going to vary depending on any you know, of your sound system components and how loud you're running and what that signal is calibrated for. I can't tell you it's a threshold of minus 10 dB or whatever it is. Um, you're just going to have to dial it down until that compression starts to kick in. Now, what a lot of compressor uh, plugins will have is what's called a gain reduction meter. And that's really a key. If you have access to that, you turn the threshold to the point where you get enough gain reduction, where it's about, I'd say three to six dB. About six dB of gain reduction is pretty good. That means you're crushing that signal, so to speak. You're compressing it and you're, you're cutting it six dB um, at its loudest points. And that basically keeps it musical so that you're not getting this pulsing sound with a compression where it engages and then lets up, engages and lets up um, with that change. But it's enough that it's controlled. Um, and so though that's kind of the main thing you want to look for, set your compressor somewhere around a four to one ratio, adjust your threshold so that you can start to see some gain reduction of about, let's say minus six dB. And then, um, you can have what's called a, a knob called makeup gain, because anytime you put an effect in your mix, it's going to attenuate or lower the volume level of that signal. It's just fundamentally how it works. When you apply an effect, it's going to add resistance to that signal, so to speak, and it lowers the volume. So you might want to turn that up just a little bit. And that allows you, if you limit the signal and then you turn all of that signal up, that means you've basically, uh, it's kind of like a mastering trick in recording, but you basically raise the volume of the entire signal level up. So you compress it and then raise it with makeup gain. So uh, along those lines, um, I have the benefit of dropping in on a bunch of different services on a Sunday. So we'll, we have a listing of everybody to stream in and I can drop in. And, um, and I've also seen this on, um, I watch a, uh, 
a web program or a cable program that's CNET. You've heard of CNET before? And there's a bunch, it's just a compilation of a bunch of videos and it's a bunch of authors and editors that do their own videos. And even them, they'll come in and one guy will be really loud, you know, just blow my TV out. And then the next guy comes in, I can't hear anything, you know, and on his other video. And I see that with the churches too. I'll drop in on a service and they're just like, whoa, let's you know, turn that down a little bit. And then others where I can't hear anything and I'm having to turn it all the way up. What's the, is there a way to fix the level, just the overall level so that I know whether it's people can hear it or if it's too loud? Yeah, that that's actually a really common problem. And it's something even the pros spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get right. Um, so let's say you're broadcasting to, it doesn't matter which streaming service uh, or platform, but you your, your ingest server, the, the, you know, whoever's capturing that stream. Um, and because it's all digital, there's a cap. You, if you exceed that cap, it's either going to automatically be throttled down and dealt with, or it's going to clip out and it's going to cause a lot of nasty distortion and all kinds of stuff. So my rule of thumb is to send a signal that's approximately about minus six dB. So zero dB on digital scale, full scale um, is as high as you get. Once you get to zero dB, you start clipping the signal. Um, so I shoot for sending my signal and, and turning that makeup gain on the compressor on my master bus so that the output doesn't really get much higher than minus six to minus three at the most. That way I know that I've compressed my signal and then I've raised it so that it's hitting that level fairly consistently. So if you're between, and it depends on the dynamics of your song, the material you're putting out, but if I'm sending a stream with the dynamic range some t- somewhere between minus 15 and minus six, that's going to be a pretty reasonable listening experience for someone. Some people send their stream out and it's at minus 20. And you just got to deal with it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very low level. Yeah. It might be good quality sounding, but you got to turn the volume up on your device to even yeah. hear it. So, so that's what I shoot for. I so, usually do minus nine, minus eight or minus nine for these podcasts is usually what I do. Mm-hmm. Does that sound so, is that reasonable? Yeah. And, and the reason why a lot of people don't want to do more than minus six, like if you do minus three, you're technically still safe and okay. But if you do minus six, what happens is if you combine the left and right channel, if you combine a minus six left channel with a minus six right channel, you get a minus three mono channel. So that's why if you keep it at say, like in your case, if you keep a stereo mix at minus nine, uh, you're in great shape because your mono mix, if somebody's listening on that type of advice, is now at, at minus five or something. So. Steve, Steve, make a note of that next time you criticize me right. audio mix. Okay. We'll have to <laughs> rewatch this. Um, so, being the noob, um, you know, the VU meters are going from green, yellow, red, right? Where's the, is the red for most um, software systems or whatever, is it set to? um minus two db or something where it starts turning red or what's the so i kind of watch the signal and go oh let's get it baby bouncing into the bottom of the red yeah where where do those levels it depends on the device and the meter um that's being used but as a rule 
Um, if you've got, let's say you've got two or three segments of red, you could probably safely hit the first segment of red um, on that. Um, some digital scale meters don't hit red until you clip. Um, so you do want to know what your meter is calibrated for. Um, but yeah, I, I think a healthy yellow is, is fair to shoot for. If, if you want to go more color coded, I think you get out of the green, you get into the yellow. And as long as you don't climb too far out of the yellow, you're probably at a fairly reasonable signal that you can work with. Yeah. I've got a quick question about compressors real fast, uh, not to get us off track again, but, uh, what if I've got a, a live encoder, like a Teradek or a Pearl Mini? Uh, so I, I probably need to get a hardware device, a hardware compressor. Yeah, if you're if you're not um, able to apply that with software, like a lot of these encoders don't necessarily have the whistles and bells with all those software tools in them. Um, yeah, you could get an outboard impress, compressor between your console or the main output of whatever you're sending. Okay and bring that into the encoder. So one compressor I've used, it's actually a real cheap and easy way to do it. Small form, form factor is uh, the Rolls compressor. I can't remember the exact model number. Um, it's like a 64S or something like that, but um, Rolls Audio makes a compressor and it's very small format and that can work uh, quite well. It does require external power. Most of these compressors will. So you do have to uh, have your power requirements set accordingly. Um, I'm a big fan of, of um, the, the easy peasy DBX compressors, um, whether you're stereo or mono, uh, you can use a 266 or something like that. Use a nice compressor uh, from DBX and, and, plug that and it actually works really well i've had good success with those so, and they, they're not super expensive oh uh, so that was my what's a typical cost um you're running uh, between 100 and 200 dollars okay. uh the rolls compressor you can get for i think just under 100 or right at that range and then um i think uh dbx makes one art presonus um a lot of these different audio brands um, make them and, and you can find them at music stores or, or at your favorite online music uh, shop. So um, they're pretty easy to come by. Um, you just want to pay attention to, you know, when you're sending the signal in that you're coming out of whatever main mix or your aux mix out and you're coming in with the right cable type, whether that's quarter inch or XLR, make sure that you got the right cables for that. And then that you're coming out of that compressor with the right adapter that goes into your encoder. A lot of these encoders use a, a 3.5 millimeter jack uh, stereo unbalanced input so you want to make sure and get the right cables that connect from your compressor to the encoder that's where a lot of people can get tripped up they're like i got this great compressor but now i gotta buy a ten dollar cable for it so not a big deal just something to pay attention to so um, the next thing is i kind of alluded to it is you know mixing for the house and mixing for streaming is are different what are some of the challenges on the streaming side or what are some of the things that that I need to look for, for the streaming mix. Yeah. You talked about this with your reverb comment for sure. I mean, that, that's a big deal. So the, the compression is kind of my, my go-to thing. That's the one thing that can, you know, take your mix from, you know, so, so to actually pretty decent, uh, 
the next thing's going to be besides the actual quality of your mix, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of, um, you know, a given at this point, you need to have a decent sounding mix in your headphones, but the next thing to add that extra level of, of depth and, and quality is going to be adding reverb, a sense of, of presence. Like I'm in the room with you and where this really comes to light and, and can be an issue is with vocals, um, instruments, not as big of a deal. That's a guitar. Guitar sounds good. Even if it's dry. All right. Sounds good. A dry vocal. You better hope the singer isn't listening into your live stream because they're going to think that they sound terrible because there's no reverb. There's not even any room tone on their vocal um, that you would get in the natural room. So if you have the ability to do so on your console or with software, um, you know, apply some reverb to that if you can. Um, and just a little bit will help, especially on the vocals. You could apply it to the main output if you wanted to, but primarily you're really looking for some vocal reverb to help kind of give them some space. And you don't want too much. The, the trick with reverb is typically you can use either a, a room, a medium-sized room preset or a, a medium or large hall and adjust that delay just a little bit so that you kind of get the size of that room dialed in the way you like it. And then turn that reverb up in the mix just to the point that you can hear it and then back it off. It shouldn't be obvious that I've got reverb on this track. Listen how cool this is, right? No, I shouldn't be able to really hear it. So you want to turn it up and then turn it back down just a bit. And that should give some life to the mix and space that is otherwise lacking in a lot of church live streams what about um the role of like choir mics out in the audience or other places for that is that yeah this is actually there's a a a number of facets to that that's um i was going to mention that that's sort of a poor man's reverb in a way um if you've already got ambient microphones that you're using to capture the, the sound of the room, or if you have an in-ear monitor system and you're using ambient right mics to help feed some presence back into the in-ear monitor system, which if you don't do that, you should consider experimenting with that too. But those mics can do double duty and you can actually bring that room tone into your live stream mix by using ambient microphones. Now you do have to be careful with that because if you've got ambient mics and you're mixing the live stream all on the same console, you want to make sure you're not feeding your ambient mics back into the main loudspeakers because that's going to create a feedback loop. Um, So you want to make sure if you do have ambient mics, they're solely used for whatever mix bus you're using for monitors, recording, and live streaming. Uh, But that is a great way to enhance the quality of the sound and, and recording artists have used this trick for decades. Um, when you, especially drums, you record drums and you stick a ambient mic in the, in the room and you get that extra tone that comes through in that development you get enough delay off of the position of that ambient mic. It adds its own space to the mix and it, it widens things up a bit. So it's a really nice tool to use for live streaming i've always found so, uh with doing i actually did lead singing for a while too so i can relate to the reverb thing <laughs> on my vocals but um i've also also found as a public speaker i tend to i tend to mix in a lot of hot humor comedy in, in what i'm doing and when i when 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 people can hear the reaction of the audience uh 
or the congregation, you know, hear them laugh, hear their reaction. It just adds to the presentation so much. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's something that a lot of churches, when they switched during the pandemic to go to uh, live streaming only, we really lost a lot of that community feel that communal worship um, vibe. And that was one of the big reasons why is because there was no room or, you know, at first everybody's doing it from the living room, but now that we've got more of a, of a hybrid environment again, in a lot of places, um, you know, it's important to focus on that. And I've even attended churches where they've had satellite locations and you're broadcasting a message to these satellite locations. That's live streaming just by a different name. Um, and if you don't have some of that, you know, room element in there with that primary attending, you know, congregation there, you really do lose part of the experience and you can, you can add a fair amount of that back in there with, with ambient mics. So the next question here uh, is, and we may have covered this four years ago, but it's worthy revisiting um, is I'm going to have, I'm going to have people watching on TV with a great sound system at home. I'm going to have people on their cell phones in a car, you know, listening to it. I'm going to have people on computers with crummy, you know, built-in speakers. Um, do I, do I choose a, a device or a, a place or do I just tune for the, the guy with the best sound equipment or what's, what's going on there? What do you recommend? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, it's, it's, this is also used in recording studios as well. When, when you do a, a main mix, you want to listen to it on as many different types of speakers as you can. But if your final mix doesn't sound reasonably okay on the crappiest speaker you can find, uh, which is probably a, a cell phone speaker or something like that, um, then, then you need to revisit the mix. I should be able to hear and understand uh, what the pastor is saying. I should be able to pick out the lead vocal. It shouldn't be overwhelming, but I should be able to hear all of that just a little above the worship music, depending on the style of worship you have. And I should be able to hum along with the tune. It shouldn't be distorted. I shouldn't have instruments getting completely blown away in the mix. Certainly shouldn't have the drums overpowering the the rhythm instrument section and all of that. So you want to... um, you want to mix for that device because, and that is a, a lot of phones are still mono um, audio output. So you need to make sure your mix sounds good on that type of a device and then tweak it a little bit. And, and you can mix by and large, you can actually get a really good quality mix on these larger sound systems by mixing for, you know, the lowest quality device. Uh, within reason. Now, I always, always caution people when you're mixing for live streaming, don't just sort of fake it and, and make it up as you go along. I mean, you can do that at first, but always check the device and, you know, do some sound checks if you can, but monitor that live stream, monitor it on multiple devices. I mean, we're used to sitting in, and if you have the luxury of having a secondary console or a workstation where you're mixing your live stream, a lot of people just listen to those speakers and be like, yep, sounds good. I'm in the basement of the church. Live stream sounds great. We, the green light's on. 
Um, but you know, they failed to say, oh, well, what does the feedback monitor say to me? What, what is that, you know, sound quality through earbuds, through headphones, through speakers, through the phone speakers, through the car radio, you know, go out and listen, uh, streaming through your car. I mean, that's, if, if you have a congregation that's listening in those environments, test it out. Um, now the next thing that comes down to mixing for those devices, and some people make this mistake is putting too much bass into the mix. And uh, that will be a problem primarily with your higher quality systems because they can reproduce that bass, whereas a phone speaker can't. Um, but I tend to uh, keep the mixes um, you know, pretty much out of that low end spectrum. I'll even put a filter on there and, and wipe out uh, the, the frequencies below, say, even 60 hertz or something like that. Because a, a lot of the content going out doesn't necessarily get even reproduced. So it just adds to the clutter of that mix. Um, so you can experiment with that depending on your style of worship and what kind of instrumentation you're doing. Um, but a little bit of EQ on your streaming output can help clear things up for those listening on any device. Good deal. So look, we're out of time here. Uh, James Lawson has been our guest today. He is uh, audio video expert, uh, obviously. And James, how can people get a hold of you if they have any questions? Yeah, the best place to do is come over to my website, greatchurchsound.com. And um, if you've got a question, I've got a contact form there. Certainly get a hold of me. I've got a lot of different resources for folks, including how to set up and, and do live streaming audio uh, effectively I've got some free guides for that and um, all kinds of good stuff. So yep. come on over. Yeah. Great church sounds. Best yeah, place. yeah. Yeah. Lots of good books too. So you can, you, your, um, your book list is on there as well, I'm sure, or people can go to Amazon and see it there as well. All right. Well, unfortunately we're out of time, but we'll have to have you on again. We won't wait four and a half years. <laughs> I, I would appreciate that. Yeah. It's really good to connect yeah. with you guys again. Yeah. We've, we've got questions here that we can't get to because of time. So anyhow, James, thank you so much. We sure appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And Steve, thank you for your input as usual. We're glad to be here. All right. And I'm Phil Thompson and folks, if uh, you want to get a hold of us, if you have questions for James and you missed all that, uh, you could back up the tape, but if you don't want to just send us an email support at streamingchurch.tv. This podcast is brought to you by mychurchdaily.com. I told you about it earlier, so go check it out, mychurchdaily.com, and let us get some feedback from you. All right, thank you for listening to the Church Solutions Podcast or watching it if you're watching it on YouTube or on our website, streamingchurch.tv. And again, I'm Phil Thompson. Please take care of yourself. We'll catch you again next time on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. 